Hello and welcome to the Bigger Than Us podcast. Today I'd like to welcome Kimberly Britton to the show. Kimberly, how are you doing today? I am well, Raj. How are I'm you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. Kimberly, I'd like to start the show off with something interesting about my guest. So why don't you share with the audience something that most people wouldn't know about you? Well, I think that uh, one of the things that most people don't know about me is that while I am uh, the head of an energy innovation center, uh, my perspective and my background comes from a long career in uh, nonprofit leadership. Um, And so that really helps inform um, our perspective and what we do as sort of that that uh, go-between, that convener of stakeholders and that honest broker, if you will. So it, it helps and it's a little non-traditional background for the role that I fill now, but it has been uh, immensely helpful. So you mentioned the epicenter. Can you give the audience a brief introduction to what the epicenter is? Sure. In our very name um, is the nature of what we do. Epicenter, um, the E, the P, and the I stands for Energy, Partnerships, and Innovation. And we were created in 2015 out of a collaboration among uh, CPS Energy, um, which for anyone who doesn't know is the largest vertically integrated municipally owned utility in the U.S., And they had a vision to move the needle in terms of energy innovation and energy thought leadership. So Epicenter was born um, with the help of their, what they call their new energy economy uh, partners. Um, In this case, it included uh, what was Silver Spring Networks. It's now ITRON, uh, Landis and Gear. Both of those are kind of smart grid, smart meter companies. And then OCI Solar, uh, a Korean company that's made its U.S. headquarters right here in San Antonio. Um, Our utility likes to um, do projects that will enhance the economic development in San Antonio, but that can have really important global impact. So hence, Epicenter was born. So that was four years ago. I came on board in March 2016 as employee number one and a CEO And uh, it's been a really terrific um, three and a half years since of building an organization from scratch. And we've made a lot of progress in that time. So just dig a little deeper with the um, CPS Energy. Can you explain some of the the concept around vertically integrated? Ah, well, they have both electric and gas. They have the full continuum of production, um, generation, if you will, in the utility speak, um, and then transmission. So they do it all. Um, it is a regulated market as opposed to if anyone knows about the utility or the electricity market in Texas, um, they're both deregulated and regulated markets. In this case, because it's government owned, it's owned by the citizens of San Antonio, um, they're in, they have a lot of advantages in that space, but there's no competition in this region uh, because they are regulated. Other markets, like where I came from originally in North Texas, um, that's deregulated and there is competition. In other words, you can choose your electric retailer um, and uh, change if you like, sort of like we do with cell phones. Uh, but it's different here in San Antonio. So, But the, 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 up, the other side of that is that they have regulators who look at them and tell them, 
uh, approve, you know, the rates and how they're structured. And you know, so I think forth. it's something really interesting. You kind of said there in the middle, um, you know, government owned by the citizens. And I think very often we f- tend to forget that, that the government is yes. essentially owned by the citizens. So I appreciate you sharing that and um, uh, sharing the information regarding CPS. You also mentioned um, new yes. energy economy. Can you expand on that a little bit? Absolutely. The really great thing about uh, both the current leadership at CPS Energy and the leadership um, of the last few years, even prior to the current CEO, the former CEO and others, had a real vision for um, making sure that the work they do um, positively impacts their customers, the citizens of San Antonio, and in fact, our entire region. So, they, they really took um, a very thoughtful approach as they would enter into these vendor contracts around renewables, um, largely solar. Um, also, all that goes into that, you know, the solar trackers, the equipment, the panels. And then also as they implemented the rollout of the smart meters um, and then how they, they track that, all of the nodes and the, the mesh network on which those meters sit. So when they go out to bid, and they still do this today, um, they realize, particularly with this surge of of renewable introduction for their energy mix, that there was an opportunity to, let's say brand, that's not a bad word, brand this effort. And so they called it um, the new energy economy. It's not a term wholly unique to CPS. But I think they've leveraged it to really help to describe their work with um, their partners. And so there's a list. The ones I mentioned are just the ones that helped found Epicenter. But there are several others. There's Green Star, who makes LED lighting. Um, there's, there are the Mortensen that works with sort of the infrastructure for solar. Um, there are many others who who convene at least once a year. Um, and who participate in several of the, the works in the community. They, they offer interns. They had um, marks to bring jobs to San Antonio. Um, and they, they've entered in to be community partners above and beyond just the kind of normal vendor-client relationship. And I love that philosophy because it's good not only for the businesses, but part of the investment that a utility is making, um, now you think about how, what has it done for this area and for the economy in which we're living in this region? It's a great way to approach doing business. So I love that term, new energy economy, and I'm going to uh, borrow it from you quite often. Um, it sounds like they've made quite an investment into the community, and I'm guessing that's one of the reasons that you were drawn to Epicenter but um, can you give a few other reasons what attracted you to Epicenter? Well, it was so unique. Um, You know, I mentioned that I I have a long career in the nonprofit world. I did do a stint or two on the for-profit side. One, um, my dad and my mother are both entrepreneurs, so I helped my dad start a business several years ago that he's still doing at 86 years old today. Um, he has a seatbelt cushion that he launched when the seatbelt law went into effect in Texas. And then the other stint um, that I did was working for Chesapeake Energy 
as um, the, the the community relations director up in the Barnett Shale, which is in the North Texas region. And um, it gave me sort of a traditional energy background, but then beginning to understand the role of renewables. So you talk about when I learned about this role, it was really funny, Raj, because I was working for the San Antonio Museum of Art. That was um, my first job when I moved to San Antonio seven and a half years ago. Uh, and it was interesting because after this long career in healthcare and some in energy, and then I had a sort of a political education career on the nonprofit perspective, uh, to work in the arts was an area in which I had never done professionally. So it helped round out um, that portion of my career. So I was approached, interestingly enough, by a recruiter out of California who sent me the job description and the job descri- the description about Epicenter. And I looked at that thing and I thought, oh, this is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, who's going to start an energy innovation center from scratch? And we're going to look at doing big projects and what? But then you're right. I learned that these partners had stepped up and seeded it with some uh, ramp capital uh, that allowed us to get started. Um, the more I dug in and I, I shared it with a good friend of mine and, and with my husband and my friend was like, this is perfect for you. You need to go for this. And I was, I thought, man, can I do this? We're starting, you know, I've, I've started things before from scratch. I'm part of an entrepreneurial family, but goodness, um, you know, so I began to explore it. And when I met the team, you know, of leaders, um, Paula Gold Williams, uh, the CEO of CPS Energy, um, and her right hands, you know, with Chris Eukster, their chief operating officer, who's now my board chair, and Carolyn Shellman, their chief legal officer. You know, I met these folks and started talking to them about their vision and how it originated with the, even the CEO prior to them. I saw a lot of really sound um, leadership, a lot of sound planning, um, and yet this was a wide open field. I could shape this organization um, into something really great. And so, boy, it just whetted my entrepreneurial appetite. I, I was so excited to have this. And then they they had these other three board members who joined. We, we have a, each one of those other founders has a seat on the board as well. And then we were fortunate enough to keep um, our CEO, who is now our CEO of the San Antonio Economic Development Foundation, Jenna Salcedo Herrera. And uh, she stayed on the board after she left CPS. And wow, what a formidable group of leaders that set the stage for me. But you know, they, they were so wise when they said, you know, we want our CEO to put her stamp on it and have a chance to really shape this thing. But they did charge me with with a vision to have a think tank to that would focus on um, energy thought leaders and convening and really moving the needle and having important conversations around energy. Uh, they wanted us to have an um, energy incubator and mm-hmm. accelerator that would also have a fabrication laboratory. Yeah, it really is, because I had a real vision. You know, Chris is an MIT-trained engineer, Dr. Eukster, if you will. Um, and, and and they really do have an understanding of what it takes for a startup um, to get up and running and move forward. 
So that, and then they wanted me to have these conferences and summits, these convenings. And darned if in our short three and a half years since I started, we are fully operational with every one of those That's pretty amazing. So three and a half years in, you have a profit and a nonprofit background. Um, You know, sometimes there's this confusion between profit and nonprofit. If you were to give like, what are a few takeaways you can perhaps share that people can take from, you know, one set of thinking organization to another set and vice versa? Well, you know, it is really true. People do have misconceptions about the difference between a nonprofit and a, and I think really a better name is not for profit uh, and a for profit. The truth is, is that um, not for profits uh, drive for revenue in a similar fashion as a for profit. The difference comes down to, to who benefits, right? So in a for-profit, theoretically, if it's privately held, it's the owners and maybe the employees if they have Mm -hmm. profit sharing. Um, And then with a not-for-profit, however, those returns are to be reinvested in the mission of the organization. And honestly, we're both run like businesses or should be with maybe a little different heart and perspective. Although I'm seeing among the for-profit world, there is this shift to, to B Corps, yes, you know, I've benefit heard of those. corporations. Yes, where, and I think too, customers are demanding a little more from for-profit companies saying, we want you to have a positive impact on the community or uh, on the world. And so I think they're thinking about it more, not to say that they're still not trying to cater to shareholders or stakeholders, um, but in our case, um, we are we're focused on our mission of energy innovation and energy thought leadership. Got you. So, you know, you mentioned some of the reasons why you thought the position at EPI would be attractive. What I like to perhaps investigate a little further is, you know, what drives you? What's the why behind, you know, you're so passionate about what you're doing right now? Yeah, thank you. I I'm very passionate about this. Hopefully that comes through. The reason for me is that I see, I see our future. And I have always had my mind and my heart. I like the fact that the United States has been a force in the energy Mm -hmm. world. And the fact that the geopolitical nature of energy has never been lost on me and the importance of not being and forgive the pun over mm-hmm. a barrel when it comes to our energy supplies. So having worked for an oil and gas company up in the Barnett, we were doing natural gas primarily. Uh, well, exclusively actually right in the Barnett Being there, it showed me how being independent and not having to import as many other countries must um, is really critical to our safety and security as a nation and also for the future of how we live and breathe and think um, about how we produce and use energy. So to have an opportunity to focus on that future, both in terms of having critical conversations and driving thought and bringing 
you know, our audience is not industry, although we love to talk and and work with industry. Um, but our, our, our audience is this broader business sector leader and really, a, a what we call a savvy mm-hmm. citizen who's very engaged around the energy sector. And we want those folks understanding and making good decisions based on information about their energy use. So yes, all of this is important, both for um, our security and also for um, our future and for our environment. Um, those things all together really drive my passion. And, you know, there are days when pressures come, either financial or um, political, uh, that we need to be better prepared for. Um, We're starting to talk a lot about supply Mm -hmm. chain uh, and how that impacts um, our energy sector, both in fossil and in the renewable space and frankly, you know, and in the utility space. So these things are, you know, really, really critical. So, yeah, so that fuels my passion when I think about the future and where where are we going to be in 20, 30, 40, 50 years? Really interesting. You know, you, you mentioned where we are from a security standpoint today. And, you know, obviously the, the takeaway that I really heard there is, you know, we can breathe better, right? And I mean, ultimately, we all want a better right. environment where we can be healthy. So totally agree with you. Um, earlier, yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. And I was just going to say, and you breathe better in terms both physically and also um, mentally, right? Because pressure that comes either way. Now, earlier you mentioned uh, portfolio companies. Are there any interesting companies in the portfolio of EPI that you'd like to share right now? Yeah. And, you know, we call it epicenter. I I never abbreviate it. (laughs) But I definitely know what you're talking about. You know, we have one that I'd love to share. Um, The two that started with us from the beginning, and I'll I'll talk about both of those initially. Um, One is, wait, let me back up. When we started the Incubator and Accelerator, which we launched in December 2017, so you do the math, we're just a little over a year and a half old in this endeavor. We have 12 startups. We'll probably have 15 by the end of the year, and um, we're growing quickly, as you can tell. Yeah, it is fast. So um, one of the things, one of the organizations, we'd originally just planned to do early stage companies. And that we would do this pre-incubation, or some people call it ideation stage, and then we would probably add incubation services for you know those folks who've already made the decision they're going to take the leap. But for more advanced companies, um, we really hadn't planned to. But then we met the guys from Go Smart Solar, and really their whole focus is to drive the rapid adoption of solar. And so they feel like that the knowledge of citizens or people who might like to do solar um, is not as um, mature as mm-hmm. it could be. And then the price, Got you. right? Because it can be expensive. So they really have tried to demystify um, the adoption of solar for the average person. And they don't want people to overpay. So they have they have basically very really cool things that the, in programs that they've implemented, and they even have a um, a, a tool on their website where you and as the homeowner can go in and type in your address, and it'll show um, how much uh, sun and what the benefit might be if you have solar on your roof. So 
they are and the program they've just recently launched is called big sun it's done they have now inked a contract with um, cps energy uh, for it's a multi-million dollar contract for community solar and so they're making it possible for anyone to buy a few panels um, on these carports that they're doing. That's not a new concept, but the way they're approaching it is in the sense that they're trying to make the pricing available to low income clients. That's interesting. Isn't that great? Because they really that, want to make solar ubiquitous that, for everyone. That, that really is. And not to interrupt, but just um, yeah. how are they getting that education piece out to the low income uh, areas? Well, the really great thing is that, you know, working with a partner like like CPS Energy, like they've their customer now, you know, CPS, in addition to the folks who will do solar, is that um, they have a lot of reach. And they do these consumer fairs um, where they're able to um, bring in a group of people to share. They can go into the community and community centers or they, they have routine um, information sessions where they can roll this out and talk about it. Certainly they have all the tools on the CPS Energy website. You can search for Big Sun and go find out more about it. Uh, but it's it's just such a, it, for the San Antonians and the people in this region where, where CPS serves, it's very, very exciting because it doesn't even have to go on your roof. And so they're toying with, you know, um, they're putting these carports in. This is the other piece that makes it kind of exciting is if you're a, a, a real estate owner, you own a commercial building mm -hmm. and you would like to participate in this, you can put the carport structure on your parking lot. You can charge more, you know, for the parking in that lot. Um, say your employees park there regularly under contract parking. And um, then you can also benefit and, and have the structure where Go Smart Solar is installing these solar panels. So anyway, that's one of our folks. They're one of the more advanced stages. They have uh, they're in what we call acceleration. You know, if you talk to one incubator, you've talked to one incubator, right? There, mm -hmm, everyone views things differently, but for us, our phones are all different. Yes. And so for us, acceleration is this more advanced stage where they're beginning to scale. They've got revenue and customers and go smart uh, solar fits in that category. And they're based here in San Antonio. What a lot of people don't know um, is that the, one of the reasons why our incubator has grown so quickly is because we do focus um, specifically only on energy. Now it can touch it. It could be the water energy nexus. It can be fossil. It can be renewables, whatever. But the other aspect is, is that word has gotten out because of our focus and our relationships with the utility sector. We're serving clients from North Carolina, Boston, New York, Toronto, um, in the Chicago area, Austin, Houston, um, it's getting really interesting and we, uh, not everyone wants to do virtual incubation, but mm -hmm. we found a way to perfect it and utilize it for the benefit of our clients. So that's... Has anyone brought up the word franchise yet? <laughs> um, not that word, but stay tuned. Stay tuned. You may... Absolutely. You may see um, soon. Are there any other incubators around the U.S. that are like yours? Oh, that's interesting. Sure. There's a network called um, Incubate Energy. 
And um, Epicenter is a member, I think there's probably about 25 members across the the U.S. There's one in New York City. There's one, a big one in Boston. There's one in Los Angeles. Um, there is one in Detroit. I mean, so we're scattered all over. The truth is there's only two in Texas. Um, and so when you come to the southern U.S. and the southern region, we are fewer and further between. So the network is a great group of people um, who can collaborate. We share best practices. Sometimes we even share clients. And I should give a shout out at this point to our dear friends in Austin, the Austin Technology Incubator. Um, Mitch Jacobson heads that group. He has been a great friend to me personally since I started this job. The man's been at it for decades and really they know what they're doing and they do more than energy. They do water. They do a circular, circular economy. Easy for me to say. Um, and, um, I think they do agriculture as well. So there's some really great partners for us to work with, but I will tell you the thing that makes you epicenter unique is not that our incubator is so dissimilar to anyone else. Granted 25 is not very many for this country as large as ours. Right. But um, we don't only do incubation and acceleration, right? We um, also have a think tank and we support our services with um, fabrication services for our, our startups. And then something that's brand new are our advisory services. And I can share more about that in a moment. Please. That it makes us unique in the sense that um, other incubators and accelerators, well, they just don't do some of these other things. Um, And yes, there are other think tanks and there are other incubators, but as far as I've seen, no one's approaching their work exactly like Epicenter. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we kind of laughed about franchise earlier. There was a co-working space here in Dallas that essentially was speaking about, um, you know, franchising their playbook. So maybe a conversation that my for-profit had, I guess, down the road for additional streams of revenue for the epicenter. Yeah. You know, who's done that similarly, they just don't, they're not focused on one in- industry is Capital Factory. You know, they're, yes, they're out of Boston. Yeah. And they definitely are franchising. I think, I think for, for us, what we'll probably do is put um, a footprint in another city um, and kind of feel our way through this a bit. Um, so, and we love it because, I mean, Capital Factory, I will tell you, is also becoming a partner. Um, we're very collaborative at Epicenter and we love, you know, because we can't do everything. I have a staff of eight. Uh, we contract with some other folks who help us with things, but we love being lean and nimble and able to move quickly. It's one of our, um, it's our secret sauce, if you will. That's your nonprofit background too, coming into play. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Maximum utilization of resources. I call it the law of maximum use. You've got to exhaust it <laughs> before you expand. Well, I love that. I love that. Well, Kimberly, I want to be respectful of your time. So I have one last question for you. Yeah. If there's a one piece of advice you could share with our audience, what would it be? I think it is to be thoughtful and strategic about your direction. Don't be sucked into lanes 
too quickly or really that are outside your parameters. You have to know who you are in terms as an organization and as a person, frankly, as well. And Mm -hmm. stay in your lane, whatever that lane is, and do it with all of your might and dig deep. Um, Some things will we have said no to because we know that, that that's not an area where we would excel, but we explore everything. Got you. So stay in your lane. I, I like that. I like that. Before we go, and you know, you mentioned your dad's business, so I'd be remiss if I don't offer you the opportunity to give your dad's business a plug. Ah, he would love that. It's called Belt Ease, B-E-L-T hyphen E-Z-E. Um, he markets, he's mostly B2B, but he has, um, as I said, the seatbelt cushion. It's not the lambskin thing you see on, on seatbelts. It's covered in a lo- lovely washable ultra suede, high quality fabric with a great Lexan clip. It's kind of flat and it goes on your seatbelt and it can make it more comfortable where it's actually great for people with pacemakers or women who are recovering from uh, mastectomies. Um, oh, but wow. Or somebody just frankly hates wearing their seatbelt. Um, and so anyway, he markets them to high-end car dealerships. Um, and his website is belt-eze.com. So thank you for that. No, of course, Kimberly. And, you know, from originating from an entrepreneur to now helping entrepreneurs as CEO for Epicenter, I really appreciate your time today. And I hope you've had a good time, as good of a time as I have. I have, right. Again, Sincerely appreciate your time and look forward to catching up with you soon. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you. Have a wonderful day, Kimberly. You too. Bye-bye.